Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we're going to do a fixing fables. Yeah, fixing fables. And again, we still need somebody, somebody out there who's got a gift at making a little jingle. Right there, we could, na 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 na, we're fixing fables, something like that. You're uh, really fixed on that. I am. Because I'm trying to bring this podcast to the next level. Yeah, that'll bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon we'll be monetizing this bad boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to all eight of you who have bought our coffee mugs. <laughs> um, man, I'm sweating. Yeah, that was hot. Yeah, we, we just had a delivery of tables that we had to unload. 861 pounds or something like that of plastic tables. Were some of those different sizes? Yes because we have a need for, in our teaching room, we need that one row with the posts. In the way, you can't put tables in between them cleanly, but by having a few smaller ones. Any, they don't care. <laughs> these are like, like great problems that you solve. Yeah, these are the things that actually pastors are busy doing. Yeah. Um, anyhow, we're gonna do a comma one. You've heard a lot of people probably, uh, hopefully, resolve this issue, but Philippians 4.13, where Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, very much a passage taken out of context. Um, so we're going to do a very short, simple uh, podcast to fix the fable. Um, it's used for the basis of tattoos, right? Inspirational quotes. There's an MMA guy. I think, I, I think he's retired now. John Jones, I think it was, with uh, that on his uh, stomach. I guess he uses that to knock people out. But he also is doing drugs, so not sure what's strengthening him. Could be coke. I don't know. Um, anyhow, you got tattoos, inspirational quotes, posters, memes. Football teams. Yep. Most weightlifting rooms. Yep. It's the most recognized Bible verse in the general population of humanity, at least in America, um, and definitely within the professing Christian population. Um, I still see it quoted by people well-meaning on Facebook, and somebody posts something, and they're like, well, just remember. And it's like, stop. Anyhow, we run into it, though, Matt and I, a lot when we'll travel out around the world teaching pastors, and a lot of it's simply due to the word of faith cult uh, that permeates so much of Christendom right now. So just give us a few moments of your time, and we're going to walk you through the passage, but we're going to do it like you ought to do it. That's in the context, and in the process, we're going to fix this vexatious fable. Wow, look at How that. How do you like that? You like vexatious that? Vexatious fable. Is that a real word? Yeah. Uh, there's no red squiggly, so I guess so. Yeah, no. Yeah. You don't, you, have you never been vexed? Oh, I use that word all the time. Yeah, vexation. Vexation. Now, I just expanded your knowledge a bit more. I smiled when I typed that sentence. Well, you, you turned it into an adjective. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> We're still sweating. Sorry. <laughs> We're trying to cool down. <laughs> all right. So with all these, the important thing is 
of course you got to set the context, right? Right. Um, so let us, let us do that a little bit. Let me first read the passage for you. Um, and this will be verses 10 through 14. Uh, here's what Paul writes. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that now at last you have received or revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Um, so here Paul is writing about a gift that he got. Right. Um, so... This gift in the context here takes us back to chapter two, if you know the book of Philippians, where uh, Paul there is actually uh, speaking of sending Epaphroditus back to the Philippian believers. And so in verse 10, we see a key term that is used by Paul. He says that he uh, rejoiced, and, and then you'll see there how or in what way or realm he rejoiced. Uh, well, he says that he rejoiced in the Lord, key prepositional phrase. Uh, in other words, this is exactly what he commanded them to do just a few verses prior, where he says in verse four, uh, to rejoice where in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice. That's the one that gets taken out of context where you're to be anxious for nothing, and and we just kind of rip that out of its context too, but it, he does say, it's a command, rejoice where in, in the Lord. Yeah. Um, and now he's just actually like illustrating it. Right. And it's not here, but it's worth reflecting upon how he actually can command yeah. that you rejoice. It's not this emotional thing. Um, so the fact that Paul says this now in verse 10, uh, namely that he rejoiced, that, that might not seem like a big deal to us, but it's actually one of the lessons that he's trying to teach the Philippians. So he just commanded them to rejoice in verse four. And now he points to yet another example in his own life, which you see there in verse 10, to show them how to rejoice. He's always just a model, isn't he? Um, and so notice what is the occasion for that rejoicing? Well, it is, uh, it's their love and their concern for Paul, actually, for when they sent to him Epaphroditus, uh, and they sent Epaphroditus to him with a gift. And so the important thing to note... And, and, and I don't think we mentioned, he's in jail. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in those days, and actually it's the same in many nations still, they don't feed you. You know, it's up to you to figure that out. Um, and and so yeah, now he's he in somebody. house arrest. He's not. It's not the final arrest, but it's house arrest. He's he's chained nonetheless to a Roman soldier, and it's up to him to secure food. Um, and so it's tough times. And they heard of that, and so they sent Epaphroditus. But with him, he brought money. Money. That's the <laughs> gift, right? Yeah. And he's thankful for that. Yeah. And that's the context of humble means and in prosperity. He's in the humble means <laughs> moment right, right now. Exactly. Uh, and so the, yeah, what's important though in this passage is to understand that the issue in Paul's mind here is not the money. Um, yeah. The, the money yeah. itself was of secondary importance actually to him. Um, we're not even told the amount of money, nor even if it was an abundance of money. Uh, instead, what Paul does is he looks at the gift of money and then looks past the money but to see their motivation that's behind that gift. And so the motivation um, was the knowledge that they've given him this gift from a place of love. It's a, from a place of deep concern, well-being for him. Um, 
he describes that gift then in verse 10 uh, as, as a reviving of their concern for him is the way, I guess it's phrased. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, it means that he had some very uh, definite needs that were not being met. And so they came along with that gift to care for him. And that of course showed that they were thinking of him and were concerned for him. Uh, the word there for concern uh, is a word mentioned several times in Philippians. It's uh, phaneo. Um, in its simplest form, it means to think uh, or to ponder carefully, to consider something. Um, it's used, for example, of Yodia and Syntyche uh, when he tells them that they are to agree or to think in the Lord. Um, it's used in chapter three of the enemies of the cross whose minds are set on earthly things. Uh, that's where they think, that's where they dwell. Um, yeah, their minds dwell on. Right. It's used of those whose minds are mature uh, in other places of the letter. In chapter two, probably the most famous one, it speaks of having the same mind uh, as Christ Jesus, which was there, the mind of humility for the purpose of service. And so here Paul says that they were thinking of him. Uh, that is where their mind was. And that's heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta feel alone if you were him, right? And and then all of a sudden, and there's no internet, no FaceTime, no, hey, we're sending Epaphroditus. He didn't know he's coming. And also one day a knock. <laughs> And soldier opens up the door, and in comes this man, and he finds out that they say, I mean, that was a major journey. I mean, can you imagine, like, if we went, if I sent you or you sent me back to Ethiopia, and we just showed up unannounced with, to, to, like, Demeke or yeah. testify, and, and we had some money. We're like, we heard. By the way, did you know that Demeke uh, has come down with COVID? No. Yeah, so be in prayer for him. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Brothers. Yes. Well, and in, you know, Demeke's case, you get COVID and you're in... Well, there's nothing there. Africa. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you can go easily to any place and get care. So right. it's a real burden for him. And then, of course, he's got children. He's got his aged mother who's not in the Lord, and she's in like her 90s. Anyhow. Yeah, she's very... But, yeah, they were thinking of him. Mm -hmm. And it was very tangible. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, yeah, and, and there, I mean, Paul is suffering. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, you could imagine how it would be easy for him to feel abandoned, perhaps at that point. Um, and then all of a sudden, as you say, he receives this gift. And so we see that the delay here in sending the gift was not due to carelessness or, or thoughtlessness even. Rather, as he says, they simply lacked opportunity uh, to help him. Uh, in other words, they had some sort of situation that was preventing them from helping them or helping him uh, as they had in the past. Um, and we know that there was a lot of financial struggle there within the Church of Philippi, uh, at least for a little while. Uh, but what is significant is that even that time of difficulty, they were still able to give this gift to Paul yeah. out of their hardship. Uh, and so if that's the case, then likely it had to become even more difficult for them to financially support Paul uh, in this need. But, but understand that it's because Paul knew of their difficulties— that he also knew the motivation because he it wasn't out of the abundance of their wealth. He, Which is he, how we give. Right. 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 I mean, if how, how often if you're like, hey, if you're able, please consider giving. And yeah, it's it's really sad actually when you realize how few people will say, you know what, we're just gonna skip this or skip that. It would be a minor inconvenience just for the sake of of helping somebody. But that's the key thing for him is he's like, wow. Um, that's your motivation. So uh, let, let me explain what I mean. 
for the vast majority of us to send a gift of money to a person in a poor nation is a very little difficulty. And by itself, it would not really be an indication of your concern for them, as it's so easy. You don't really miss the money. But if you were in a state of great poverty, uh, and yet in the middle of that poverty, you shared your wealth to others in need, now you're going well beyond a mere gift of money. You are actually expressing your love, your concern for them, so much so that you are willing to harm yourself to help them. Let that sink in, folks. That's what Paul has in mind. He knows things have been very, very hard for them. But the moment they have an opportunity to help them, they do. And in that act, he sees their love. And that's just heartwarming. Yeah. Um, so now there's something else you need to see in this verse before moving on. It's important to notice how he rejoiced. We know that it was not the money. It was helpful. But that's not what was the basis of the rejoicing. Rather, it would be correct to say that it was the fact that they were mindful of him of him. But in reality, that's not really the ultimate reason. Rather, the prepositional phrase attached to the rejoicing is what you want to notice. It was in the Lord, and that's key. Yeah. Paul is thankful for the gift. He's even more thankful that they've not forgotten him. But neither the, of these are the ultimate source of his rejoicing. What is it? It's the fact that he is in the Lord and that his rejoicing that his rejoicing comes, and it's also why he is content in all things, as verse 11 says. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Because his joy is in the Lord, he's not subject to these waves of discontentment. He's learned. The construction of that verb, actually learned, is that of a settled issue. And isn't that I mean, when you're counseling somebody and you, and you give them the counsel and you can see it's not settled in their mind. There are some people, you can just almost watch that, their, their whole face just shift. It's like, oh, and, and you're like, I think we're done here. Uh, it, something's settled. <laughs> and then others who walk away and they're very frustrated because the truth is there, but they, their heart has not yet settled on and said, that's it. Well, for pa Paul, uh, he's, he's not learning to be content. He's not struggling. It's a lesson that he's already now settled in. He's in the Lord, and yeah. that's where his rejoicing sta stays. And it's a very important concept. When your joy or your thankfulness or your hope or contentment is linked to anything in this world, you will be consistently a miserable creature. Your health, your safety, your job success, relations, money, family, anything you might look to bring joy will fail you because it's designed to fail you as an idol. But to find the joy in the fact that in Jesus Christ you are safe forevermore, you're forgiven, you are to be raised to a not new life, you have an eternal inheritance waiting for you, that you're going to be changed in the likeness of your Savior, that you are now called a son or daughter of the Most High. Those are the things that will carry you through the darkest days of your life. And you see that in verse 12. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have, and what he means there is this finished, settled reality, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Do you see what he's saying? His circumstances don't determine his attitude. Let me say that again. His circumstances do not determine his attitude. 
And in doing so, it makes him very strong against the many snares of Satan. Because riches and abundance don't impress him. Hunger and poverty don't frighten him. He's a stable man. He's unshaken because he's in Jesus Christ. What a be- what, and is there a better place to live and die than in Christ? So with that, we can now see what is meant in verse 13. One of the most quoted misunderstood verses around. They claim it as victory over some sin. They do it to win at some sporting event. They quote it to overcome some sickness. They write it on their basketball shoes, but the actual meaning is so much simpler and actually so much better. The point is that no matter what situation or condition you're in, it is not your ability to stay strong, nor is it your level of faith where you can claim some type of victory. The term all things actually is not even some absolute thing. It's not saying that you can become a rocket scientist or a great athlete if you would just believe enough in God's strength. It is looking back to verse 12 and the various circumstances people find themselves in fact, it's perhaps helpful for you to understand that often when the word all or all things is used, it's defined and limited, so it's not actually mean all things. Right, right. Um, if you keep that in mind, it's going to save you a lot of error over time. What Paul is saying is simply the understanding that if you're in Christ, you grasp how massively glorious that is. Then in times of plenty or in times of want, you can still rejoice. You can be content, serve others, walk in humility, and live in such a way that's fitting of the gospel. Yeah, and for a genuine Christian, that's enough, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it becomes your heart's cry. Uh, for the cultural Christian, uh, it's never enough. Um, you, you'll say, yeah, that sounds good, but you'll still want that other mm-hmm. thing, whatever it is. So having taught them now about contentment and rejoicing, uh, by using himself actually as the example, he adds that it was still very good that they sent him the gift. Yeah, he's right? not That's saying <laughs> so. No, no, I don't want the money. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> and and it's actually a little bit humorous if you can read it correctly. Um, he's just spoken about how his rejoicing is in Christ and his contentment is not based upon if he has food or money or comfort. Um, if you were hearing that from him after giving money to him for his needs, you might think, well, can I have my money back? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know some people would say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but he hastens to add that he is thankful for the money itself as well. Uh, because if you have a chance to find relief from affliction, um, you're a wise person if you take it. So just some, some lessons to consider. Um, giving what you have or giving when you have plenty is easy to do. And it may reflect a heart of love. That's the key word is it may reflect a heart of love. But giving when it is a genuine sacrifice to you will only happen when it's out of genuine love. Um, If you only rejoice when good things happen, uh, then you will often be disappointed. Uh, To rejoice always requires that you find your joy in being in Christ. Again, that's the key phrase. Uh, And as your mind dwells on that reality, then you will find joy to be a much more common companion to you. So we would just ask, are the things of which you need to repent of because you see them as the basis of your rejoicing um, or contentment instead of your life in Jesus Christ? Um, so hopefully that's helpful, clears up the verse a little bit, um, and that's all we got for you. Tell a friend. <music>